It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. If I hear a word about water rationing this coming summer, I'll break up the shop. I guarantee you, I'll smash up the place. We are just in a deluge, aren't we, at the moment? Well, round these parts, the rain. Oh, my word almighty. It's unbelievable at the minute, so it is. And everywhere, saturated. And I'm just, my head's up here. If I hear of a hosepipe ban, if we get a spell of good weather, and they ask us to conserve, I'll scream. I'll be that frustrated. You won't believe what will happen. Come on, this little island. It's rained on for 60%, 70% of the year. And we can't manage the water. It's like a lot of other things in Ireland. I hear people saying, oh, it's a great little country, isn't it? I'm going to do something on this show one day and just wander through history in this country and I'll show you and I'll demonstrate to you that it's not a great little country. And uh, we'll come back to that, I promise you, another day. Welcome to the show. I'm in good form. I really am in good form, really. I'm just uh, marking your card for the summertime. We've lots of chat for you over the next couple of hours or so. Uh, we're talking to a woman who was married recently with six people at our wedding. What was it like? She's going to tell us uh, for sure. We're going back to your gadgets in the kitchen. My word, such a response yesterday after I spoke to Peter Whelan. Peter telling me about his old thermos flask and the mixer that he had for 40 to 50 years. We've been inundated with people telling us about the gadgets they have in their kitchen and they're still using them. I'm going to come back to that on the show today. If you want to join in the conversation on Late Lunch 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. And just one other thing. Did you know the Mr. Men books? Do you know the Mr. Men books? They're celebrating their 50th birthday. They're 50 years old this year. Folks, I have one Mr. Man book and I'm holding it here in my hand. I'm holding it here. I can see it myself. I'm going to reveal later on in the show which Mr. Man book I have. And it was given to me by my daughter as a gift the Christmas before last. Would you care to guess which Mr. she believes I am? A little bit of fun. If you'd have a guess, which Mr. Man book did my daughter give to me? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me during the show this afternoon. I'll reveal all after three. We begin today with one of our regulars, very regulars on the show now. He is uh, Professor Paul Miner, Head of Department of Biology and Director of Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Paul, good afternoon again. 
afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Look, uh, since we spoke last week, just looking at the numbers, Paul, uh, they're not coming down rapidly. Watching the news every evening as we all wait with bated breath, sadly, for the numbers who've died, the cases in ICU and those diagnosed with COVID. Just over a thousand yesterday. I just wanted to ask you this to start. With the close contacts uh, now up and running again, uh, do you expect that number to go up again? Numbers probably will go up uh, slightly. So you're right, Jerry, in the sense that uh, from their peaks, which were about six, seven thousand, uh, when we reverse that, in the same way that the numbers went up very quickly, the numbers also went down very quickly, which is which is really a good thing. But they seem to be sort of levelling off now uh, at this stage. And remember, over the last couple of weeks, that we haven't been testing those contacts. So I probably wouldn't be overly surprised if the numbers increased. Um, you know, we significantly over the, the coming one to two weeks. And that's just getting us back to what we were doing previously where we were testing both symptomatics and close contacts of confirmed cases. So you may see that pattern, Jerry. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw numbers creeping up uh, a little bit. Back to the mutations, Paul. Again, today we're hearing this Kent variant in the UK. You know, a scientist saying it could sidestep the vaccine. Are we going to hear more of this and should people be concerned? I know you said to me uh, as as, uh, recently as last week, look at uh, the manufacturers are aware of this and they can tweak these quite quickly to meet any variant. So so the type of studies they're doing now to get a sense of that, to see if, if some of these variants can evade the vaccine, involves taking blood samples from people who've been vaccinated and then asking the question, these blood samples, do they have antibodies that can stop that variant from infecting cells in the lab? And the answer is yes, they can, but probably not as efficient. You probably need more of the antibodies to block, to stop the virus from infecting the cells. And then that's fine if we've got enough antibodies that's produced in response to the vaccine. So, some of the manufacturers and some of the companies are saying that one possibility is maybe instead of a first boost, so a prime and then a boost, maybe there'll be a third administration. And the other possibility or additional possibility is to redesign the vaccine so that it's tailored towards these specific variants. And the really good thing about the technology, especially the RNA technology, is potentially in a vaccine, you could produce a vaccine that could target a number of the variants and that could be within the same vaccine. So there's different possibilities here, but obviously we have to be vigilant and it's really one of the good things about, you know, the, especially I would say, and I would highlight the UK here in terms of being at the forefront of this with respect to sequencing the the variants of the virus and being able to pick up these, identify these very early on. So it's important to understand and understand the behaviour of these uh, vaccines and if they do become uh, resistant if these new variants become resistant to the vaccine. That's something very important uh, to appreciate, as well as trying to understand transmission and if they, like a number of them now, seem to have increased transmission characteristics above the variants that we previously had. So there's certainly something that we need to keep an eye on. But so far, uh, I think we're still in a situation where the vaccines will work, will protect us against all these variants. But we need to be vigilant on that. 
When it comes to, Paul, uh, the vaccines, and we have three approved now, and of course uh, we have another one on the way, the uh, Novavax, showing great signs as well. You know, people have said to me, just in uh, casual conversation, which one is best? Now, you've explained to us before, they uh, operate on different premises, uh, the vaccines, but is one better than the other, or will it just be a matter that when you're called, you'll get whatever is there at that point in time? So, to probably have some differences, certainly in terms of the technology that they used, are very different. So, the Moderna and Pfizer one are very similar, but they're, they're based on RNA, so just take a little piece of the genetic material from the virus and use that. Whereas the AstraZeneca one actually takes that piece of genetic material and puts it in another virus, in the adenovirus that normally infects uh, chimpanzees. So the technologies are different. In terms of the performance, they're quite similar. Some, the Novavax one seems to be very good in terms of especially the immune response and the amount of neutralizing antibodies that that stimulates to produce. But most of them are very, very effective. Something that has received some attention is the AstraZeneca one in terms of it being uh, recommended for use in over 65s because in the phase three trials, there were very few over 65s in those trials that were recruited later on in those trials. So we very low numbers for that. And there has been some discussion around that in terms of 40 over 65s. And we know the Pfizer and Moderna one works well in the over 65s. Should they be used to target the over 65s and maybe uh, use the AstraZeneca one for people who are at less risk? So that's something, and you, you may hear that discussion, um, you know, creeping up again, Jerry, you know, in, in, in the coming days. So that's something probably needs to be discussed. I myself would be quite hopeful with the AstraZeneca one would also be very effective in the over 65s, even though we're awaiting the data on that. The phase two trials that looked at the immune response to these vaccines showed that in the over 65s, the immune response to the AstraZeneca one was AstraZeneca one was also very strong. But we don't have very detailed data in terms of if it actually protects from the virus in the over 65s. We have some data, but not that much. So that's something, again, that's probably... And, and, and we probably shouldn't be surprised that we may end up in a situation where you may have different vaccines that are more recommended for certain mm. cohorts and certain maybe age groups. And that's something that will probably evolve as we go along. What about the likes of Boris Johnson? And I know it's an issue in the States as well, where they're saying, look, get the first jab, where there's two jabs involved. And of course, there are others coming that's only a single jab. Get the first jabs in uh, to as many people as possible. And we look at Britain now pushing for nine million vaccinations completed, first vaccinations and some with second. What's your view on this, where the companies and the science from the companies say you should get the second jab within 28 days or whatever the time frame is. Do you believe that that should be stuck to rigidly? Yeah, I think probably if you'd, if you'd spoken to me, you know, a couple of months ago, you definitely have to follow and you should follow what the trial data shows because we certainly know that the results from when we administer these are like three or four weeks apart. Uh, we don't have that data for the Pfizer or the Moderna one in terms of leaving longer gaps in between. We're more reassured with the AstraZeneca one. The AstraZeneca one is probably going to be left up to maybe 10, 12 weeks. So that's going to be a much longer intervening period. I think with some of the variants especially, and especially the fact that they're transmitting at much higher rates, I would be more open to this situation where we vaccinate as many people as possible uh, with the single dose to try to especially 
to protect those most uh, vulnerable. And obviously, not a situation where we just leave those with a single dose and they would get a second dose, but maybe at a delayed time. I think that's something to think about while the supply of the various vaccines are limiting. Once you move to a situation, I think that's no longer a problem. But we move to a situation where supply is no longer a problem. But we're faced now with trying to protect as many of the most vulnerable as possible. And that's one possibility I think we should be looked at. Something else I think that really seriously should be looked at are people who've been previously infected with the virus. Should they be prioritised for vaccination? Very good report that was just uh, released last night showing that people who have previously been infected, when they've even got the first dose of the vaccine, they generate a very, very strong immune response. So for those people, they probably don't need a second dose. So even at the very least, for those who've been previously infected, probably in those cases, a single dose is absolutely sufficient. So I think we have to look at all of these things, Jerry, to try to make limited amounts of the vaccine go as far as possible and to protect as many people as possible. You touched on supplies there, and of course this is the big issue at the minute, and I'm not going back over what happened with the EU at the weekend and AstraZeneca and all the fallout from that that continues today. But if you're somebody here in Ireland sitting looking at our plans and the rollout plans, and you look across the water, and I mentioned 9 million, and you look to the states, and what are they at? 20, 30 million perhaps at the moment with vaccinations. And it seems quite slow in Europe, just not Ireland, but within the EU as well. Are we, you know, we have a team in place, Brian McCraw, Brian McCraw is heading up that team, as you know. Do you believe that with the deal agreed last week to, you know, pay pharmacies and doctors, and we're hearing about uh, dentists being involved in this now, to roll out this vaccine, can we grab the bull by the horns when we get the supplies, Paul? Will we in this country? Will we do it? Will we deliver? I don't think we've a choice, Terry. Like, it, it, is, it is, vaccination is the thing that's going to get us, out of, get us out of this. I firmly believe that. Some people are more concerned, I mean, even with vaccination, you know, we're still in for a long haul. I think vaccination is, is the way out of this. So we've no choice. At the moment, supply is limited. I think in terms of what happened over the last number of days, I, I don't think it reflected well at all on the EU in terms of how that was handled and it introduced even some political you know, with circumstances then, again, which were at best unfortunate, but I don't think it reflects well on the EU. Uh, so at the moment, I think, within the country, I think we're doing really well in terms of as the vaccines are coming in, we're getting them into people's arms, you know, as quickly as possible. So we need to, whether it's at EU level or national level, and I think even today, Ireland may have done, in addition to the Moderna vaccines that are getting through the EU advanced purchase deal, I think the government if I understand correctly, may have purchased additional vaccines from Moderna. I think that's what we should be doing. We should be trying to source as many as possible, as quickly as possible, to especially to protect the most vulnerable. I think then there'll be a period in the summertime where I think there may be a natural waning of the virus, not disappearing, but maybe reduced numbers. And it gives us, you know, a number of months to try to vaccinate as many as possible. But come next September, October, Jerry, I think that's a critical time at that stage. We need to have as many people as possible or whoever is eligible for a vaccine to be vaccinated before we get into the autumn winter months again next year. So we definitely need to be at that place and whatever that takes, we just have to do. I don't think we have a choice. So all the resources need to be put in to ensure that that runs and it's most efficient. You're hopeful, Paul. Like you're, you're hopeful yeah. that with all you mentioned there, changing seasons, getting all the vulnerable vaccinated, our plan in place, getting the supplies 
that there is hope that as this year rolls along, we can extricate ourselves from lockdowns. Now, no doubt there'll still be restrictions and masks and wash the hands and distancing, etc. But, you know, today on the second of every very miserable day across the country, as pe- people sit and listen to us or whatever they're doing today and listen to you, they, they trust what you say. You're, you're a regular here with us. There's hope, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be very hopeful. And actually, for you and your listeners, Jerry, a country that I would sort of be very attentive to is Israel. Israel has rolled out vaccines. They did advance purchase deals way before the EU. Okay, they paid a higher premium for the vaccines. In my view, it's worth it because in terms of what the vaccines cost, it's only a tiny fraction of what this overall pandemic is costing for individual uh, countries. So if you look at Israel, they've already vaccinated a significant proportion of their population. With, by the end of March, April, they're looking at probably having a greater majority of the population actually vaccinated. I would look to see what those trends are showing. We already have data suggesting that it's making significant inroads in terms of reducing uh, hospitalizations, ICUs and deaths. And for me, that would be very, very encouraging. So we need to get to a situation where, again, we're rolling out those vaccines on a very significant scale. So I think uh, Israel will be a really good sort of bellwether there in terms of how effective the vaccine is going to be in terms of limiting not only the um, you know the severe effects of the virus in terms of people getting very sick or ending up in ICU and possibly death, but also in terms of does it limit transmission of the virus. I think very shortly we're going to have real-time data on that. Paul, as usual, much appreciate uh, your wise words and thank you again for joining me on the show. You're very welcome, Jerry. Anytime. Take care. Professor Paul Moyna there, Head of the Department of Biology and Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. There is a better day ahead. There is, folks. There really is. I, I, I can see it. I believe in it. And every time I speak to Paul, I'm more encouraged. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. I mentioned at the top of the show. I have one of the Mr. series of books. There's almost 50 of them. Do you know that? I got one. My daughter bought me one a couple of Christmases ago. I have it here in my hand. Which book do you think my daughter bought me? Look at those ones like Mr. Messy, Mr. Greedy, Mr. Muddle, Mr. Dizzy, Mr. Funny, Mr. Mean, Mr. Noisy. What do you think? Which book have I got here? I only have one and I treasure it because I think she was on the money. You have opinions on this. Keep them coming to me. Which Mr. Book have I got? I will reveal before the end of the show. They're 50 years old this year. Let me know. Bit of fun. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now. Oh, come on. Help me here. Here, folks, I, I don't believe this. Barney Travers said she bought me Mr. Grumpy. So does Jude. Jude agrees with Barney. No debate, Jerry, Mr. Grumpy. So does Bernie Sherry. Mr. Grumpy. Ah, oh, well, she could have bought me Mr. Grumpy. Yes, she could have. She could have. You could be on the button. But Yvonne Kelly, I love you, Yvonne. Mr. Happy Yvonne believes. What Mr. Book did my daughter buy me? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Mary O'Brien is on the line from Slane in County Meath. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jerry. Ah, it's great to talk to you today. And thank you so much for taking our call because you know yesterday you were in touch with us. We're talking to Peter Whelan about his uh, mixer and about his flask. And you sent me a lovely message. Tell them what you have, Mary. Uh, a weigh-in scale for the kitchen um I have it 52 years now, this year. Mary. A wedding present. <laughs> and tell me this, all that time ago, was was that a, a, a really nice present to get for a wedding at that stage? Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
And would you have got many... You know the way... You remember Brendan Grace having a laugh about this in his comedy saying, uh, whoever sent us the 20 toasters, you know the father-in-law at the bride. Would you have got many scales? Uh, No. Just the one? Just Just the the one? one. Yeah. There you go. And what make is it, Mary? Oh, no. You have me. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a make on it? There's no make on it, is there? I don't think so. Okay. And does it weigh perfectly today? Yes, yes. And you're still using it? Still using it, yes. My, there you go. And you know, so look here, Mary, you wouldn't be into the newfangled, you know the electron- electronic ones, the little no. thing? No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> and tell me this, 52 years ago, I'm just thinking here, is it pounds and ounces or is there kilos on it as well? Uh, no, pounds and ounces. That's it? Yeah. Ah, now you're talking. You have yeah. something there. Oh, I think the Antiques Roadshow would be very interested in talking <laughs> to you when they come to this neck of the woods again. Oh, yes. Pounds and ounces. No metric on our Mary scales. So there you are. You're still using them today to weigh out ingredients. I am, yes. Isn't that wonderful? A little birdie tells me as well you might have something else of interest where you make a nice cup of tea in a special teapot, uh, do you? I have a teapot. It does teapot. I got a wedding present as well. And there's actually a lovely cover on it, um, like a, it's a cozy, but it's made it's made of kind of goldy thing, and there's a lining on the inside of it. And I've never seen one before or since. So it has its own little lagging jacket to keep it yes. warm. Yes, that's it. Yeah, I see. So that came along with it as well. And I know yes. you have lovely china. Tell me about the teapot. This is very important. Tea bags are loose tea. Uh, uh, tea bags now. It's tea bags. Would you have? But it previously would it be the loose tea oh, in it. Would have been loose tea. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Strain, and you had the little yeah. strainer. Then had you to strain the tea that the leaves wouldn't. No, go into we the didn't. Cup. We'd have all the tea leaves in the cu- in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that's one thing that gets up my nose, you know. And I, I do like loose leaf tea, but I like to have no leaves in it. But there you go. Or, you know, if you're ever stirring the tea bag and you burst it, it's a yes, uh, yes, nuisance yes. when you do that all together. Yes. It really is. So yes. there you go. 52 yes. years and going strong, going weighing strong. scales. Isn't that just fantastic? It just shows you, Mary, you know, today, lots of people get things and they only have them in a short while and they throw them out or whatever, you know. I but, know, yeah. Yeah. Longevity. No, I'd, I'd look after me things like I hate anything to get broke or... Yeah. You yeah. know. There you go. Well, yeah. that's great to hear that you have the scales 52 years. Keep on measuring, keep cooking with them and mind them like everything you do. You're fantastic. Mary, lovely to talk to you today. Okay, Jerry. No God bless you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Mary O'Brien in Slane. We have more people with gadgets going back decades in their homes. Have you something in your house that you'd like to tell us about that has history about it and that you're still using when it comes to your kitchen? Let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now or you can call in on 1850-7159. Yes, you're coming back to me about this little book, the Mr. Book that I got as a gift. Keep that coming to me as well and I'll reveal all before the end of the show. What Mr. Book did my daughter buy for me? I have only one and I treasure it. You could be right with all the suggestions that are coming, but I won't tell you. I won't just tell you yet. Still to come on late lunch this afternoon, after news and weather at two, we're talking to Isabel Duff. She works for a very interesting company called Stringer in London. We're going to hear from Isabel and we'll be going back to more of your gadgets. But taking us to news and weather at two, it's the wonderful Van Morrison. I love this one. Real, real gone. But you don't go anywhere. Stay with us on late lunch. This wet and dreary and miserable Tuesday afternoon. We'll brighten it up for you, I promise.
Thank you indeed for all your comments to the show. There's one there. We know where we stand every Tuesday with you, Jerry, and in the company of Paul Miner. He's fantastic. I hang on his every word, says a listener. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, we're talking about old gadgets in your kitchen. I got a dishwasher. Listen to this. 46 years ago, the only thing that's been replaced are two hips. Boom, boom. You're in big trouble, baby. Whoever you are, you didn't put your name in it. I'm saving your bacon here. Our indoors won't be happy with that. Oh, we're in trouble. They'll be giving out yards about you. I promise you. I like it. It's a very clever one indeed. What about the Mr. Books? Lots of suggestions for me. My daughter gave me a Mr. Man book. I just have one of them and I've treasured it ever since. Which one is it I posed to you today? I will reveal later. Jamie, I like you. Mr. Chatterbox, he says. Uh, Pat McGuire's been on to say, Mr. Happy, thank you indeed for that. Mr. Topsy Turvey, says Eileen. Really? Mr. Topsy Turvey? perhaps at times another listener says Mr Grumble I do grumble by times I certainly do you have a point there Bernie Conlon Hilary Lynch yes you're in my good books today two more Mr Happy's there keep them coming to me what's the Mr book I have here right on my desk I'm going to post a picture of it on social media in a wee while what is the book I think it sums me up perfectly. Some of you could be right in what you've suggested so far, but keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now. Now, my next guest on the show works for an American company called Stringer. It's a video platform that allows customers source, edit, publish and monetize their videos. She normally operates out of London, but joins me from our home today, back here in the northeast, where she's been for a while. Isabel Duff, welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Remind us, where is home again? Cullen, is it? It's Cullen, yes. Ah, good woman yourself. No finer place. That's where you're from. <laughs> How long have you been stuck? Well, um, I'm stuck about three months this time, but the first lockdown, I was stuck in Cullen three months again. But mm. you could be in worse places, so. You could. <laughs> and you're able to operate. You're working away from home. Exactly. You know, it's a, it's a bit mad covering uh, US politics from Cullen, but, uh, you know, it's a good experience all the same. I like that. Washington via London on to Cullen and back again. I can see that triangle, Cullen, Washington, <laughs> London. Oh, it takes its place among the greats, our Cullen and County Loud, that's for sure. And you see, I'm saying Cullen, that's, but some people say Cullen. You know yourself, it's, uh, the, it's all in the pronunciation. Anyway, tell us a bit about this wonderful company, Stringer, that you work for. Yeah, so um, I've been working for Stringer now for kind of the guts of two years. Um, and what we, we're based mainly in the US, but we've got an office in London as well. And what we do is, you know, we've got about 100,000 videographers all over the US and the UK who are able to upload newsworthy events uh, to our platform. But customers uh, who are various news channels will also put in requests for those events. So, um, for example, you know, uh, we, we were covering all kind of the, the riots at Capitol Hill a few weeks ago. Um, you know, people might have just been walking past and wondered what the commotion was and they'd snap a video, put it up on the platform and, uh, yeah, they'd get paid for that and our customers would get great footage. So that's kind of, you know, the bread and butter of what we do. So anybody, including yours truly here, who could be out and about somewhere with their phone and a major incident happens, and if you snap that on your smartphone, I could potentially be a provider to you. Exactly. 
isn't that something else? And you know what I'm just thinking, Isabel? Sure, with the smartphone and the camera being incorporated and how brilliant they are nowadays, this is there for everybody and anybody. Exactly. And, you know, we're able to uh, go live and we've got, you know, dual live kind of functionality. So, uh, you know, sometimes... uh, like the capital again, you know, someone we were able to uh, say, would you be willing to go live? And, you know, we had a great live shot of uh, of all that unfurled there. So, yeah, and, and you know, it can be anything from, from weather to, uh, to you know, more major events like that. Um, we've got different tiers, you know, so it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's all just technology. Yes, yes. what you can do. So you're a repository for this and your customers, as you say, are the news outlets all over the world. If they want something, they come to you, you provide it. Is it just image or do you add any content to it? Yeah, so we just do video, but we also, um, my kind of role in the company is we produce packages as well so you know we uh, we use our own video that's sourced through the platform to put together kind of a news package so you know like if you're watching Orsi and you see um, Brian O'Donovan in Washington or whatever it'd be kind of like that you know we've got a voiceover and uh, you know uh, experts being interviewed on you know different things mainly politics and coronavirus and some human interest stories too Yes so. I-, I was looking at the genesis of Stringer it's a relative new company and it's really made huge strides forward and got huge investment including a big uh, injection of cash again last year it's going places isn't it yeah it really is um yeah the the ceos um brian and Lindsay, they they really know what they're doing and yeah we've been you know fortunate um that we've had, you know, good success with investment and hopefully, you know, a lot more to come and expansion kind of all over. The sky's the limit, really. So from Cullen to Washington and London and all that type of thing, take me back. Uh, how do you end up in this job? Yeah, so I um, I was working um, as a nanny in Oakland, California, uh, which is just beside San Francisco. And I was there for a year, a year and a half. Um, and while I was there, I got introduced to uh, Lindsay and Brian um, and started kind of just doing a bit of curation work, uh, the real graveyard shift. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was young and it was good experience. Um, and then, yeah, I moved I moved over to London then. Um, you know, my visa ran out and I was working with a different company. But then I went back to Stringer um, and yeah, it was pretty exciting because then we were covering the the presidential primaries and different things like that. So mm. it's a it's a kind of a roundabout way, but uh, you know that's that's sort of how I got started there. I was I was, I was lucky, really. <laughs> ah, well, listen, in life, if you don't have luck, I'm afraid <laughs> things may not just fall into shape for you. Luck plays a huge part in in people's lives and careers, etc. But there you are, and it's a real good story. You know, you're a nanny, uh, and the the opportunity arises. You're introduced, and, and the rest is history. Look, talk to me for a few minutes about this US thing. You know, uh, Suzanne Lynch from the Irish Times is a regular with us on the show, and we've been following America in politics closely uh, on this show probably since Trump came in on and off but definitely more intensely in, in the last year how uh, do you rate Joe's first couple of weeks in the White House well I mean he's signed an awful lot of executive orders which I mean really shows that he's trying to get off the ground running it's hard though with the executive orders because they'll 
you know, they could, if a Republican president comes in in four years' time, they can just wipe the slate, you know? So yeah. I, I think he's kind of limited by what he can do with all the executive orders. Um, I mean, he said, it, uh, you know, he's just two weeks in and he's signed, I think, more than, um, uh, you know, Obama, Trump and Bush um, combined in terms of executive orders. So I know there's some grumblings over in the States. People are a bit worried about that, but there's limitations to how much you can do with those. Um, but I mean, I think it's going to be pretty tough for him now with impeachment starting on Monday. It'll definitely take the focus off his mm. legislative agenda. Um, so, I mean... I, I mean, I wouldn't want Joe Biden's job at the no. moment. He's got a lot on his plate, so... Who would? My word, who would? I'd say he could do without this impeachment, to be honest with you. And he didn't say much about it, because it is, as you say, it will deflect. But look, at the end of the day, we all know the executive orders are one thing. You remember Trump going in as well and holding them up to the cameras and telling us he was changing the world. But unless he brings um, a lot of legislation through the Senate in particular, well, that's where the real difference is going to happen. And of course, it's on a knife edge there, 50-50. You have to have all the Democrats backing you, plus the casting vote, which you'll get, of Kamala Harris. But it's not going to be easy. No, it's not. And particularly Biden's doing a lot with immigration. He's got three more executive orders now planned to, I think he's going to sign them about 10 o'clock our time. And, you know, they're going to um, put an end to the Remain in Mexico policy um, and, you know, also a review of kind of the childhood separation, which is, you know, we'd know kind of as um, the policy that had the children, the kids in cages, you know, that's really what the Democrats would refer to that as. But. You know, there hasn't been comprehensive immigration reform in America since Reagan's time. And it's a real, like, no one wants to touch it. You know, it's a real um, poison chalice for either party. Uh, you know, John McCain run on, ran on immigration reform and, you know, that did him no good. Um, so no one wants to touch it. And I think, you know, I don't see the Democrats making a push for that in their agenda in the House or the Senate, um, you know, in this session. So the executive orders, like, they'll only go so far, but I, he won't really have the support of the party there because it's a divisive issue. Yeah. Um, and I think people, you know, they'll be keen to focus on other things like COVID relief or, you know, things that can, you can score kind of easier points because it's a bit thankless, I suppose, immigration reform, you know, if undocumented immigrants can't vote. So, uh, you know, uh, politicians, they always have one eye on the next election as well. Mm. And the other thing, uh, on the uh, the impeachment itself, you know, it, it looks like it's probably a waste of time and primarily because Trump seems to have that grip on the Republican Party and they're fearful of disenfranchising all those millions who voted for him. Jeepers, he's been very quiet. Have you heard anything from him? Um, well, I got um, an email the other day from the office of the former president telling me that he's got, uh, you know, this is sort of they just would send out to all the press. He's got a new legal team. So I don't think we're going to be seeing so much of Rudy Giuliani this time round, which, uh, you know, I think a lot of the sketch writers and comedians would be disappointed about. But, I mean, he's, he is, he's, playing, he's playing it pretty quiet. But I think, um, you know, there's sort of rumours that he's drawing up lists and he's, you know, quietly putting the pressure on. And I think that's pretty clear because um, last week... Um, Senate 
senator from Pennsylvania, Rand Paul, how to vote on whether the impeachment was constitutional. And um, only five um, Republicans voted against it. So mm. 95% of Republicans in the Senate who have to vote on this already think it's unconstitutional. Mm. So it is a bit of a waste of time. And when an impeachment's going on, the Senate can't do any other work or any other legislation. They can only do impeachment. So I think they'll be keen to get it all wrapped up, you know, and, and the Democrats can say, oh, well, we tried to impeach him and it didn't work. And, but, you know, we did our best. And then the Republicans can say, oh, the Democrats are terrible trying to impeach the president. But, yeah, I, I think, it, you know, it's, it's not likely to create waves. Um, but, you know, there is a school of thought as well that says, that for the Republicans, Trump being impeached might not be a bad thing. You know, the party is at a crossroads here and it would prevent him from running again. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, the only kind of school of thought that they might actually be in favour yeah, of. Yeah, I hear all the talk about bipartisan politics, but uh, I smile when I hear that. Really, when you're elected and you have uh, the majority, uh, it generally works that you push through your agenda and what you want to do. You love what you do. I just get it in your voice, don't you? You love and it's intriguing American politics, isn't it? It is. There's always something going yeah. on with them. Yeah, um, you know, it's never a dull day, particularly um, in the Trump era. Oh, for sure. God, that's one thing. <laughs> I know he called the press shocking names and tried to undermine the free press and the honesty of it. But certainly, even since it looks like the world has gone silent since he went down to Mar-a-Lago. Um, look, it's great to catch up with you. I will talk to you again. I wish you well with your work. And it's great to hear that we have somebody from the North East working with a wonderful company uh, like Stringer as well. We'll talk again, Isabel. Great, thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Isabel Duff there speaking to me from Colin and County Loud working for uh, Stringer, that company. Big, growing company with uh, in the space where people are looking for video and images all over the world. We'll be back in a moment with another of you telling me about the gadgets in your kitchen. The Mr. Book I have in my hand. Yes, you'd love to know what it is, wouldn't you? I'm Mr. I'm not telling you just yet. You're telling me what you think the book says about me, a gift from my daughter a couple of Christmases ago. Uh, Rosaline in Dramiskin, Mr. Messy. Yes, yes, uh, yes, Rosaline, I can be at times. Liz O'Hagan, Jerry, it just has to be. Mr. Chatterbox. Oh, I've heard that one before earlier on. I mentioned it and I love it. Thanks indeed, Liz. Liz is saying that. Uh, another one there, Susan McGuinn. Lovely to hear from you, Susan. Mr. Noisy. I am bloody noisy. I am a noisy fella. You will hear me, that's for sure. But I have my quiet times as well, Susan. Keep them coming to me. Which Mr. Book was a gift for me? I only have one and I treasure it. Have a guess. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now to the show or 1857-15958 if you'd care to call in. And getting in touch with us yesterday was a lovely young lady. Her name is Phyllis Ty. Hello, Phyllis. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for taking the call from late lunch today. And you were another of the multitude of listeners who got in touch with us yesterday to tell us about something you have in your kitchen that's of an age. What is it, Phyllis? A fridge. A small fridge. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, we have it. Could be 35, 37 years. And did you um, buy it? Did you buy it yourself? No, you? it was my mother-in-law's. And it passed um, to you? Yeah, we brought it, yeah. When she passed on, we 
Yeah. We had it. And uh, it's still going, flying. Yeah. What make is it? It's a snow cap. Snow cap. Now, there's one I never heard of. A snow yeah. cap fridge. And tell us about it. When you mean small, how small? Well, well three, four, four. Yeah. It's not like the big fridge freezer. That, you know, okay. we have one of them as well. But <clears throat> we keep this one now as a spare for yeah. extra milk and extra whatever yes. we buy. You know. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah. I have one like that myself as well. So yours is the smaller one. Is there a little ice box in the top of it? Oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, I know yeah. them well. I and know them well. Yeah. Place of vegetables down at the bottom. Yes. Yeah. And about and three little shells. In it. Yeah. <laughs> three little shells in it. Yeah. I yeah. know the one you're talking about. So That's 35 it. years old at least yeah. and still going strong. And still going strong. Yeah. God, I remember, yeah. like, in, in our day, first of all, I can remember in my life when we had no fridges. I'm sure you can remember your... Oh, fr- that's right. You know, we yeah. had none. You had to... Uh, people yeah. used to... Do you remember this? People keeping milk cool in uh, water. In water. In water. water. Do you remember yeah. that? You do? Yeah. Oh, my God. Where <laughs> have the years gone? Yeah. Yes, but that's what that's people right. did. But then when those fridges, they were the, the original of the species. They were the first one that came, those little ones. Them little ones were the first ones, yeah. Ah, the icebox, yeah. the icebox. You know what the you're ice. reminding me of now, Phyllis? When we were children, making the little ice pops at home with I'm, the... I'm putting them in for the kids. Do that's you remember it. doing that? That's it. Do I, you? I do, yeah. Ah, the little, uh, the my waddy and mixing it with the water and making the that's little it. things. And we, we thought we were great. We had our own homemade ice pops made with the little a, sticks I, in them. That's it. Or no one else had them. No that's one else it. had that's, them, yeah. is right. So and I also have um, a mixer. A Kenwood mixer, and I'd say it's as old. I'd say, yeah, I'd say it's over 30 years as well. You see, you know, what people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the modern generation think that they have to change not alone the equipment their kitchens every couple of years do you remember the Celtic oh. Tiger sure they were pulling oh, in know. and out kitchens and they want the best of this <laughs> yeah. and the best of the other and then somebody said by the way you owe us that money and then we were in a little bit of bother you know what I'm talking about that that's whole it. story that's, but that's it. you have the and it's working away and it's a back up to you and in the it's house working away yeah mm. and I mean we've we've went through fridge freezers you know, change yeah. fridge freezer, I'd say, twice maybe or more yes. at that time. Do you know? I know. It just went and, and washing machines. They're no. not making them now like... They're not they making them like they used to. No. They're not. And no. that's true, Phyllis, about yourself as well. They're not making them like they used no. to. Like yourself, <laughs> to be honest with you. But there you go. The snow cap little fridge is whirring away, keeping everything chilled. Keeping and if you want, if yep. you still want a homemade yeah. ice pop, it'd do it for you, I'm sure. That's I'm right. sure it yeah. would. You're a great lady. Thank you so much. Where yeah. are you Can I, Where are you around the northeast? Where do you live? I'm in Carlinstown. Oh, good woman. Know it well. Lovely yeah. part of the world yeah. there. And how are you yeah. getting on? How are you doing with the old lockdown? I'm sure. Staying in. Yeah. Not going out. Yeah. yeah. I have a daughter and uh, sons that bring me, you know, keep me, do, do the shopping. And yes. And that, uh, yeah. Mm. And uh, so... You keep going. Just staying in and baking and knitting and... Good stuff. St- st- yeah, started knitting. Uh, my niece brought me up a bag of wool uh, in the first lockdown. Bits that she had, she knits Mary McCabe and Kingscourt. Yeah. yeah. Great. And um, I started knitting, so I have knitted... I think I'm on my ninth cardigan now. I knitted for my daughter and my granddaughter, Ashlyn <sighs> and Caelan and... Good woman, uh, Phyllis. Yeah, and uh, my grandson for Christmas uh, bought me wool, seven different. So I did a stripedy one with all different colours for myself. 
<laughs> I can see it. The multicoloured coat, yes, of Phyllis Ty in Carlinstown. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. They don't. They won't have many more of them in the world. It's absolutely unique. But you know what? Yes. With your knitting and baking and doing I other things ba- as I well, love yeah. yeah, it keeps yeah. you going, doesn't it? It does. It does surely. Ah, yeah. listen. It's great to talk yeah. to you today. You're a great right. woman. Great Thanks, Phyllis. Take care of yourself. Love your, pro- love your program. Thanks so much. Yeah. Keep listening. Take care of yourself, Phyllis. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Phyllis Ty from Carolyn's. A snow-capped fridge. 35 years plus. And that woman there, look, baking and knitting. You see, it's those things, the gardening, the stuff like that. And years ago, people had looked at you and think, what are you at? so important it's so important at this time late lunch LMFM radio Mary O'Donnell says the book I have is Mr Messy could be right Mary I am at times that's for sure Mr Busy Kathleen Black yes Kathleen I'm generally fairly busy I do have downtime as well thank you Kathleen Nigel McKenna hello in New York City this morning over there he was going to say grumpy Nigel I'll never talk to you again no but he says Mr Worry and Nigel you're right I do have my worries of course all of us do and we have to deal with them every single day and Ava's been on to say Mr Happy thank you and more besides I'll come back to it I promise you now we continue our series in association with Meath and Louth County Councils called Keeping Well in Your Community and it's a third part today and I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon. He's a guidance counsellor in St Oliver's Community College and he's on the line, Joseph Farley. Hello Joseph. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Straight to business here. There are parents, guardians and students listening to us today. And especially parents and guardians look at them and think, look, especially the exam-facing ones, and in particular the Leaving Cert, but all students who are studying hard. And they worry about their frame of mind, how they're feeling. What do you say to people today about that and how to look out for it and what to do? Well, it's just, first I have to be acknowledged that it is a very difficult time for students. Like, that just has to be taken care of. So, like, there's plenty of ways that you can cope with stress. Well, just to make sure that you take care of yourself. First of all, let's make sure that you eat healthy. Try and get out for maybe 30 minutes exercise a day. Get plenty of sleep. Your sleep pattern is so important that your routine isn't effective, that you're getting your eight hours at night and that you're not sleeping during the day. And if you're feeling that you're really, really stressed, take a break. Talk to others, make sure that you're in communication with your teachers, with your year heads, with your guidance counsellors, because that's what we're here for. When you say those things, and they're all very important, it's just important to have your antennae up, be aware, communicate, talk. And if you're a student and you're having problems, talk to your parents or whatever and vice versa. Ask them. Engagement, as you say, is the key. Now, what about the stress around exams? Firstly, uh, where are we with exams, Joseph? Because nobody knows we're expecting an announcement in the next few days. But given that, what do you say to students about the stress that's multiplied at this time? I think... With the stress that's happening at the moment, the most important thing is just control the controllables, what you actually know. Like, there has been no decision made in the exams yet. So make sure that you cover the bases that you can cover, like having your CAO applied for, having your PLCs applied for, that, you, that you're online, that you're taking your teacher's instructions. Those are things that you actually can control. The government will make a decision on the exams but you, we have no control over, over that at the minute. So it's just making sure that you do what you actually can do. So you're saying plan, you've got to plan. It's like playing to the whistle in sport. Many people would recognise that. You've got to keep motoring along as if the exams are happening. 
That's exactly what you have to do with that. Until we are told that there's no exams taking place, we assume that the exams will. So make sure that you're in class, that you're doing your work, that you're just absolutely doing your best to give yourself the best possible outcome of success. What do you say, you know, you had a demarcation line, right, you went to school, you had your classes, you either stayed in for late study or you came home and you had your routine and you went studying at home. It's all the one now. You know, one runs into the other. What's your advice there? Well, there's lots of advice in given that. It's kind of to make sure that you deal with your screen time, that you're not constantly on your phone, going from your laptop to your phone or vice versa. Make sure that you're getting outside, that you're taking breaks. If you're studying after you do your online classes, make sure that there's breaks linked in with it. So if you're studying for 25 minutes, make sure you get out of the room for five minutes, whether it's to go outside and get get the weather that you're getting unfortunately at the minute or if it's just to take have a time have a cup of tea and then go back to it that you're taking consistent breaks that you're not just trying to study for three hours looking at the same screen all the time so you must break the day as if you were at school take the break stop for your dinner do something that's a a leisure a little bit of leisure time downtime before you go into the studying that is so important to have that structure to, to your day now you touched on cao courses applications plcs maybe some students even considering uh studying abroad you're saying clearly today Make sure you're applying, you're up to speed, you're meeting the, the deadlines with times. This is so important, regardless of what's going on in the world. Absolutely. So, for example, the CAO, it actually, the deadline to apply for the CAO was the 1st of February yesterday. So, I know when I'm speaking to six years that the majority of all of them have applied for it. But sometimes people kind of freak out with the CAO that it's going to close down, that they can't add courses now until the 5th of May, so when it reopens again. But the final deadline for people to make their course choices up is the 1st of July at 5.15. That is the final deadline. So if you have your CEO registered now, fantastic, well done. Make sure you've covered yourself with that. Now's the time to just research. Do lots of research into your courses. Lots of research into the options that you can do after your first year or second year. This is the time you can do it. We actually have the time now that we can do the research. So if you want to become a pharmacist or you want to become a teacher or you want to do a trade this is the time to make sure that you have all your research and your ducks in a row What about uh, the UK option? Lots of students from Ireland look to the UK, I know in medicine and other courses as well where they don't make the points here, UCAS is the system over there and of course people go further afield into Europe as well, of course we have the Brexit uh, scenario there now what's the situation there? Again, you know, despite Covid and restrictions and what's happening at the minute get that done, make your applications, throw the net wide well, for example, the UCAS deadline was the 29th of January. It was actually moved forward this year. Usually it's the 15th of January. But say, for example, if I have a student who really wants to apply for the UCAS, they can still apply now, even though the deadline has passed, because uh, not all courses in the UK fill up. There's a lot more choice in the UK than there is in the CAO because there's just it's just a bigger system. So even if they're thinking they want to cover themselves by applying for a course, in the UK, they can still do that even though the deadline has passed. The deadline will kind of take care of the courses that are really, really in demand. Courses like medicine, courses like, uh, for example, sports science in certain places will fill up by the deadline. But there are plenty of other options if a student wants to go somewhere else in the UK.
PLC courses, very popular as well. We were talking to Drogheda Institute last week and David McDonald, they had their open days. What's the story around those? You, the PLC is a wonderful option and remember when you're applying for it, it's completely separate to your CAO. You can apply for a PLC in all across the country and it's a, it's a different application. So for example, if you want to apply for a Drogheda Institute or you want to apply for OFI, they are separate applications. They're free to apply and they're a wonderful option just for example, if a student wants to make sure that they have that they have other options apart from the CAO or maybe they want to take a year out before they want to go to college or if they want to decide if they actually like a certain topic. Like, for example, if someone wants to study science in DCU, they could do a one-year PLC course in the science to see if they actually like it before they commit to a four-year degree programme, which is a real advantage for PLCs. So back to the exams again, no matter what happens, there'll either be a leaving cert sat or there will be the grades uh, that they did last year where teachers came together and came up with, uh, they they considered everything and gave grades to the students. And of course, uh, that's what's uh, been the the point scoring mechanism for last year. It could be this year. No matter what, uh, life goes on in education. That is the message and it has to go on. Absolutely. For example, today we have students from 2020 getting their results from last year. They had the option of sitting their leave in certain November. Some of them will get new college offers and they will be starting their new college course next September. It will continue to go on. So no matter what, use the time because it's going to happen anyway. So make sure that you're staying on top of everything and just making sure that you're good to yourself. no matter what time is going to pass. Yes, it will. It will. Time This this time will pass. But look, uh, the opportunities are still there. The, the technology that's been used today all over the place to bring us, you know, everything and anything, that technology is playing its part as well, it has to be said. Isn't that true, Joseph, today with education? And will continue to do so to allow interviews happen, people connect, lectures, you name it. Oh, it's it's incredible. Like seeing the colleges kind of change and offer virtual open days or virtual webinars or even myself taking classes on Teams. It's just the care that the care that the internet and all these new things have brought. It's just it's amazing that I can be in contact with another country talking about a student applying there. Is it's something that wasn't actually available to us maybe years ago, and now it mm. is. So it's a real advantage in that way. Yeah, I think it's going to play a part, just uh, an opinion of mine going forward, that it'll play a greater part in this whole area, as you said, than it did in the past. It's opened people's eyes to the possibility as well. Just before we finish, back to the mood and the mood of the nation, the mood of people, especially students in particular. Just to um, emphasise that message today, you've got to mind it. Absolutely. The most important thing for any student or anyone dealing with this pandemic is that we get through it together that we mind ourselves that no matter what there's going to be options that you just cope and do your absolute best and you can do no more than that That's it, you can do no more than that but there's plenty of help, plenty of assistance in the schools, the colleges, with your family with organisations out there remember that if you're struggling in any way don't keep it to yourself talk, open up, seek help that is the big message. Anyway, good luck to everybody, we'll have word on the exams imminently in the next few days but in the meantime, take on board what Joseph had to say to you there this afternoon to us on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Joseph Farley there. He's a real good guy and he's a guidance counsellor at St. Oliver's Community College. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. More of your misters. Ah, oh, Michelle Howard, you're my number one. You are my number one. Michelle says I missed Cheerful and many other mistresses as well. Besides, so you, Michelle. We'll uh, make it a, a complimentary show going both ways, you and I, this afternoon. Keep them coming to me. I'll soon reveal what the book is I have, the Mr. Book I have. It's getting near the witching hour. I'll tell you what it is uh, shortly. But uh, after the break on Late Lunch, more of your ever eternally working gadgets in the kitchen. Kathleen has a Kenwood chief over 15 years, a carving knife and the bread knife that was giving as a, given as a wedding present. And they're at least 48 years old, she tells me, and they are still working. Well done, Kathleen. Again with Chief. There you go. Pauline O'Neill was on to say she's a carving knife and it's still working over 55 years later. Thank you so much, Pauline, for letting us know. The stuff that's out there that's marvellous. And another lady who's a listener of Late Lunch is going to tell us her story, I believe, about a mixer... And a knife, and a special occasion. Louisa Cuthbert is on the line. Hello, Louisa. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. Now, yours is a fascinating story, and I wanted our listeners to hear it. Okay, so let's tell me, is it the mixer or the knife that's the oldest? Are they both connected? Both connected. Go on, tell me the story. Well, we got them for a wedding, a wedding present in 1977 when we got married. Okay. And we're still using both. They're going good, oh, are they still? Yes, yeah, definitely. And are you into the baking, Louisa? Do you do a bit of with the mixer and that? Well, I would, I would, yeah. Yeah, so it's still That's been... too fancy now. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's your favourite? What's your favourite to mix up in the mixer? Go on, tell me. Oh, we cake or a yeah. pancakes. <laughs> oh, everything. Anything you want to mix, you're, fu- you're fired into the mixer. Oh, it's no. going all the time, no matter what it is. So it was a, a wedding present in 77. Do you mind me asking, where did you have your reception? In Cafe Bellingham. Ah, oh, beautiful. And what month of the year were you married in? September. Lovely autumn wedding. Nice autumn time of the end. year with all the trees. That was Great the old end. the old Bellingham Castle you were married right, in, yes. wasn't it? Have you been in the new place? Once. Twice. Twice. What do you make of it? Isn't it something else? Oh, it is something else, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It is, yeah, you see. Things are different now. They are well, well different. Would you have had a big number at your own reception? I think there was... 80-something. Yeah, good, good. Nice crowd, nice crowd, so there was. And where did you, did you go on honeymoon? We went down to Wicklow. Oh, lovely. And did you spend, what, a few days down there, yeah, a week? Just a few days. Yeah, so that was your was your honeymoon, down oh, down yeah. to Wicklow. Money went in the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but come back here to the to the, to the Kenwood mixer and, and the electric knife. Mm-hmm. Um the, the, those as present, 1977, would you have got a few of those or were they one-offs just from... Would have been one-off. One-off. And and those type of things were what people bought you then, was it? like? All uh, them and Delph. And as for the Delph, I still have all the Delph. <laughs> have you? Yes, that's the Delph, yeah. And you held on to it ever since, Louisa? I'm trying <laughs> to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> and do you use it? Do you know, you know when you have people have Delph and sets they got for weddings and special occasions, do you ever take it out and use it? Or is I it do. I start using the, the cups and saucers a lot now lately. Did you? I said, the children won't want them. 
<laughs> well, go to the charity shop <laughs> yeah but you know what people treasure things like that I know people you know wedding gifts especially bring back memories especially if you know who gave them to you you know you can remember those and people I understand the sentimentality you're reluctant to let them go aren't you well it is of course yeah yeah yeah, it certainly is. Anyway, so you have the mixer and you have the uh, the electric knife and it's still doing the business. I, I I mentioned earlier on to Phyllis Ty, just to ask you as well, how are you getting on? Are, are you in contact with people? How are you getting through these times? Oh, we haven't seen some of the family since the first lockdown. Have you not? Mm. They live in once in Carrington, once in Mayo Bridge in the north. Now, the girl in you know, Leo, we've seen her twice. Right. Now, she did call in, yes, but they stayed in the car and we kept our distance. Yeah, yeah. So it is hard. It's not easy at all, is it? Uh, when you can't see your nearest and dearest and they can't even co- come near the place at all. Um, look, we're hopeful. We're hopeful this vaccine will sort, you know... Hopefully, uh, hopefully and we can't go anywhere because, like... No. What can you do? You know, that's the thing about it. You like go for a walk and you go for a, cy- a cycle and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're pretty tied with that. You really are. And you're in Dundalk talking to me this afternoon, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Near Blackrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely part of the world there as well. Well, listen, Louisa, nice to talk okay, to you. Thank you. Keep on mixing and we keep will, on will. cutting with that knife all these years. No choice. No choice is right. <laughs> Thanks, Louisa. Lovely okay, to talk bye, to you on bye. the show this afternoon. Thank bye. you so much for joining me on Late Lunch. My, oh my, I cannot believe the the love and the joy that you all have towards, you know, uh, items that you have for decades in your homes. Let me read a selection of all the messages that are flying into me again today. Um, still using my mam's Singer foot-operated sewing machine, which was originally bought back in 1940, Jerry, Isn't that fantastic? And it's still creating today. I remember my own granny Monica and her wearing away with her foot flying on the pedal of the singer and her sewn away. She was brilliant. And also that texter says, I still have our baking trays. Ah, Anne's been on. I have a working Tricity fridge. Jerry, it's 36 years old. 36? Wow. Good afternoon, Jerry. I have a tea set, which was my parents' wedding present when they got married in late 1939. That's Margaret Tierney. Hello, Margaret, in Navin this afternoon. Um, here's another bread knife. I have my mother's bread knife. She got for a wedding present, listen to this, over 70 years ago, and I'm still using it. It's the best knife I've ever had, Jerry, bar none. Thank you so much. Uh, Jerry, there's another one there. Teresa here. I have a mixer. I'd say it's 40 years old. It's from the House of Carmen. Does that ring a bell with anybody? A mixer. The House of Carmen is the brand on it. Still growing, going strong. Loving the show, Jerry. Thanks a million. And uh, there's another one there. Yeah, uh, Mary Matthew says, I'd say your book is Mr. Expert, Jerry. Oh, thanks, Mary. <laughs> Thanks for getting near. Will I tell them? Will I tell them? No, I won't. I won't tell you. I'll keep you on tenterhooks there. I just won't tell you. I'll tell you shortly. Uh, yeah, I agree, says John in Navin. Mr. Messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mr. Messy. I bet you Louise is laughing at that, says John in Navin this afternoon. Anyway, I have it here. One Mr. Book to be revealed on late lunch after the three o'clock news and sport this afternoon. I will tell you. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. While we're off for the news and the weather, I'm going to post it on social media. We'll fire it round. 
And if you're on LMFM social media, you'll see me with the book there. And then I'll tell the others when we get back. Hi, Jerry. Just listening uh, to Joseph Farley and to let you know he has a wonderful podcast which gives absolutely marvellous advice to students. We'll get details on that and we'll tell you about it as well. He's a good fellow, Joseph, isn't he? He is indeed. Now, we're uh, heading in a moment, about a minute, to uh, news and uh, weather and sport at three. But before I do, I just wanted to mention somebody who passed away, and I'm sure this is going to ring a bell with a lot of you as well. Jerry Matthews. Do you remember Jerry from Jerry and the Somerset fame? I'm sure I met him on the show a good few years ago. He was a Dundalk singer and entertainer and he passed away. And there's been a huge outpouring of sadness and grief in the wake of his passing. And we just want to mention Jerry Matthews from Jerry and the Somerset on the show this afternoon. Do you remember him? Yeah, he was a great guy and really uh, he was uh, top of the pops around Dundalk and beyond in, in his lifetime. Wonderful singer and marvellous entertainer. May he rest in peace. We remember Jerry Matthews on Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. You know those local businesses, folks, that you've gone to looking for maybe sponsorship for your sports club to support a charity event who you bought from and went that extra mile to look after you and were there when you needed help? Well, just to remind you that those businesses are still there and they're the cornerstones of our villages, towns and counties right across the northeast here and beyond. Now it's our turn, folks, to help them. So it's important to remember to shop local. I know there's a lot of online stuff and people are ordering by the new time, but we've got to shop local as well in Louth and Mead to keep our family, friends and neighbours in jobs and sustain them through this difficult time. So just when you're going to buy next time, you're out and about within the 5K, do shop local and let's support local. It's more important now, folks than ever. Jerry Beryl rang in from Douth to say he has a carving knife which is, has to be over 85 years old with a solid timber handle. It's great, he says. Mary Finnegan in Lobenstown has a Phillips tumble dryer in perfect working order. It's 44 years old at least. We could be calling you tomorrow, Mary. Stand by. Um, there's another one there. A willow pattern teaser Bridget has. I don't know what that is but I intend to find out. A willow pattern teaser. Um, a potato peeler it was her mother's knife, Jerry, uh, and she's a potato peeler. This lady, that it was our granny's, and she has her mother's knife, and they're years and years old. Thanks for letting us know. Now, who am I, Mister What? I have one Mister book. The Mister Men books are fifty years old this year. 50 years old, 71, they were released first and there's almost 50 of them. I only have one and Sarah, my daughter, gave it to me a couple of Christmases ago as a gift with a message, I think, in it as well. Uh, Some of your other suggestions to say, uh, Joan Caffrey or Jean Caffrey says, Mr. Clever, are you Mr. Clever, Jerry? Mm, Could be as well. Uh, There's another one up there, Mr. Messy. You have to be called after your beloved dog, Jerry, uh, says a listener this afternoon. Love the show, keep it going. Thank you indeed. Well, let me reveal, and I have revealed if you've seen it on social media already. And one lady, you're all wrong. You're all wrong. Everyone I've read so far have been wrong. Sorry, sorry. It could be a little bit of me here and there, but you're wrong. Sorry to tell you. But Patricia McNally at about 20 to 3 WhatsApped in and she was the only one because I put it on social media there and I see somebody else has mentioned it since. But well done to you, Patricia, because she says her husband is this. Yes, folks, I'm Mr. Perfect. (laughs) I know why Sarah gave me the book. I like things done right. I really do in life. Can't stand anything not being done properly. I really am a stickler for it, honestly, in everything I do. 
Things have to be right. Done right and done 100%. And I think that book does sum me up. Oh, there's other bits of me. I am Mr. Uh, Happy as well at times. I'm Mr. Topsy Turvy. I can be other bits of me there as well. I can be a bit lazy. Mr. Forgetful, yeah. Daydreamer. Mr. Impossible, yes, I never think anything is impossible, but there you go. Mr. Perfect was the name. Patricia, well done to you. I'm going to dig out a little something and send it out to you. Thank you for being on the nail with that one. Mr. Perfect is my book. It's the only one I want and the one I'll ever keep for the rest of my days. Thank you, Sarah. Now, my featured artist of the week is Billy Joel. Probably, yes, he has to be my favourite of all time. And I'm telling you a story today as well. And yesterday I came up to the point where he released his first solo album called... Cold Spring Harbour in the early 70s. Uh, Then he signed for Columbia Records, big move for him in 1972, and he moved to LA where he lived for three years and composed what many regard as his signature hit, Piano Man. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? And he released an album of the same name. Then followed Street Life Serenade, that was the next album, but it didn't actually set the world alight, so Billy thought, ah, feck this. I'm going back to New York City where I was born and bred and love and maybe the inspiration will flow there well he was so right but the key moment in his life was when he was introduced to the wonderful Phil Ramone because that partnership Joel and Ramone would just lift Billy to the stratosphere when it came to music albums, singles, songs, tours you name it and he produced, well, one of the albums I'll mention is The Stranger that yielded a raft of hits like Moving Out only the good die young, just the way you are, and this one. Beautiful, simply beautiful. One of my favourite Billy Joel songs of all times. Always a woman to me. And uh, the Billy Joel story continuing on late lunch, round about this time tomorrow as well with another song thrown in for good measure. Now, final break of the afternoon on its way. Before we go there, just put this scenario to you. Weddings, well, so many have been cancelled, pushed back a year, maybe two years in some instances, rescheduled, rescheduled again. We're going to meet a local woman next who got married recently with only, listen to this, six people there. Stay with us. Congratulations and jubilations when I tell everyone that I'm in love with you. Kira Hennessy, Ryan, good afternoon. Thank you. How are you? I thought you might hang up there after those dulcet tones. Anyway, you're very welcome to the show. Do I call you Kira Hennessy, your uh, maiden name, or Kira Ryan, or Kira Hennessy Ryan? Oh, Kira Ryan from now on. Ah, good woman yourself. And I'd say many people listening today would be familiar with your husband, John, because John's dad, Jim, was very famous, wasn't he? And he is very famous. Oh, he'd be well known around the town, I hear. Yeah, yeah in Dundalk, yes, he is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim Ryan's son. Yes, Jim Ryan's son, John Ryan, married Kira Hennessy. When did you get married? Last Thursday, the 28th, in the middle of the madness. Oh. Yeah, it was a lovely day, I have to say. Now, here's the thing. I have to step back a little here. What were your original plans? Had you deferred to last week from a fixed date last year? Or tell us the story. Uh, Not really. So we've been engaged. We had our first little lady in uh, 2013, Rosie. She's seven now. So um, we got engaged in 2014, July 2014. And our original plan was Darver, Darver Castle. Yeah, we were going to do the big white wedding up in Darver. I loved it. Um, so that was the original plan and we had booked, provisionally booked a day for March 2016 and 
we found out our second little 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 baby was on the way in September. So it meant six months coming up to the wedding uh, with a two-year-old and a newborn. Um, I terrified me. So we pulled the plug and we didn't go ahead with the date in Darva. But the original, the original, original plan was was the big day in Darva, yeah. In 2016, and that was yeah. to happen then. Understandable, you know, life takes you in a direction. Do you sit back now and think after having the literally, literally wedding, oh, we should have done it then. Does that ever come into your mind? Oh, listen, like, yes and no, it does. Like, you know, I, I do think um, we've, we've been to a lot of weddings in Darver and they've all been amazing and they do they, they do a great day. Mm. And we've thoroughly enjoyed it. And one part of us would love to have given all of our friends that day out. And, you know, but I, but I suppose at the time for us, our priority was, was the kids and kind of just getting through busy life with two kids under two at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we didn't, we didn't, we actually didn't dwell on it too much, to be honest. Mm. And, we we toyed around um, over, over the last kind of couple of years. We kept saying, no, we will get married, we will get married, you know. And we toyed around with a couple of different ideas. We have a big party, the big white wedding, we have a small service. And um, even actually doing a wedding slash christening with the kids, we were thinking, you know, that, that, that idea definitely kind of crossed our minds as well. Love it. We just, we kind of just never really got around to it. It took it took a lockdown in the middle of a pandemic for us to kind of <laughs> to nudge you. Yeah. <laughs> to, and, and 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 hold on a minute. There's another little nudge as well because number three is on the way. Number three is on the way. Number three is due two weeks time. Yeah. So, so um, we had an actual special guest at the wedding. Yes. Um, yeah. So listen. Uh, yeah. So number number three is on the way. And all things considered with the pandemic, I suppose we've seen so many people around us um, being affected by delayed weddings and having to reschedule. And, you know, an awful huge amount of planning has gone into that. And I suppose, you know, originally when we wanted to get married, we kind of nearly kind of could have done it any time. Whereas I suppose COVID and the pandemic has kind of taken that option away from a lot of people. Yeah, it has. Um, And... In a, in a roundabout way, that was sort of appealing to us as well. That you know, there was times where I sat down to kind of deal with the wedding list, and there was times that we sat down to, um, to, to to plan it. And then you know, I suppose two big big families, and you know, where do you draw the line? I suppose it was kind of grown legs at the time, and you know, yeah. just so that was taken out of your hands. You know what I mean? That has been taken out of your hands. But look at you settled on this date last Thursday. That was it. You picked the date and said we're going ahead with the six. Uh, so it was, it, well, kind of, yeah. So back in October, we went in, we had to give our three months intent to marry. And we weren't really sure. So the next available date that we could get married, they gave us th- this date. And uh, we knew that we had the marriage license and then it's valid for six months. So we could kind of have a little bit of wiggle room. I wasn't really brave enough to commit to this date being so close to, to baby's due date. So um, we just kind of had it in our back pocket. We didn't tell anybody. Hoping that, you know, we might have a good news story to share with our friends and family over Christmas. Restrictions are a little bit lighter. You know, we might have had 25, which meant that we could have our, our siblings and our partners yeah. as well. You know, that would have been kind of like the ideal. Um, but then, you know, kind of um, Christmas kind of came and went and then restrictions came. And we were forced with a decision of kind of like, you know, do, do we go ahead or not? You know, so I suppose, I, I can't remember, I think it was about two weeks before we told our parents and we told our, our immediate families. Um, that we have this date, we had kept it in our back pocket, that, you know, there was a couple of variables, obviously restrictions dependent, because there was mm. an announcement the day before the wedding, which we were holding our breath. Um, and obviously everybody had to be well, you know, for, for it to go ahead. Um, and then baby, we, we were dependent on the baby still being inside <laughs> yes. um, as well. So, you know, we didn't shout it from the rooftops. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So who was there? Who was there? Who were the six? Uh, it was myself and John, and there's his mum and dad, Anne and Jim, my mum and dad, Mary and Tom, and then our two little girls, Rosie and Phoebe. And wait till I tell you, you had seven. Don't tell anybody there was seven at that wedding. I know. Was a little yeah, secret, no, I know, I little know. secret person as well. Anyway, that so that's all that was there. That was just really immediate family. So was it a civil ceremony? Civil ceremony in a registry office uh, in Bray. Okay. Um, Bray County Wicklow. Um, so that's kind of like that. That would be our, our closest kind of registry office mm. where we live in Dublin. And um, so yeah, so we went ahead. It was on a half tree, and uh, we went out, and it was just ourselves. Um, and the registrar and it was lovely it was really simple oh no so yeah. you are delighted it was simple it was small and bijou and afterwards anything happened afterwards or did you just go home so yeah so well yes and no like there was nothing that we could do there was no restaurants we didn't want the houses you know kind of like mingling too much we're all trying to you know to do everything right I suppose yeah. um, but, uh, so, but we're bubbled up obviously for childcare essential childcare reasons um, if an emergency dash to the hospital could happen any day. We're bubbled up at my parents. So uh, John's parents, they went back to Dundalk and we kind of sent around these little occasion boxes to our siblings. Yeah. Um, so they could have a toast with some bubbly and a bit of picky food. And um, yeah, we've done that on Zoom. We had a little cake. Good um, on, yeah. We had a little cake and then um, we had a little dance out the back garden. My my dad and my sister put up fairy lights and we had a little dance out the back garden. Our first Lovely. Time, so it was. Do you know what? We it, none of it was overly planned, um, but it actually turned out to be a. Really you made the most of it. You really yeah. did. Will you have a party for everyone down the road? That's the plan. I ah, you will, will, will. You will. You will. They're all yeah, going to be there, siblings and family, and you can go balubas, yeah. and you'll have the new arrival and everything. It's all going to work out for the okay. better. Well, listen. We just want to dedicate a little song to you as we leave the show today. Congratulations to you. Many happy years. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Thanks for telling us. And this song is for you. See you, folks, tomorrow. Eddie coming next with the drive. We'll dedicate this to them. Aren't they marvellous? Six people at the wedding to Kira Ryan and her new husband, John, and their children. Have a great life. See you tomorrow, folks. It's a beautiful night. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.